hello there, extra healthy-ish listeners, and Happy New Year. We can still say that, right? It's not February yet. No, it's only the end of Jan. This is, of course, the Big Sister Podcast to Healthy-ish from Body and Soul. I am your host, Felicity Harley. Now, if you want to build a strong financial future with your partner and for yourself, and also a stronger relationship to boot, oh, Hell yes, we all want that. Journalist and author Nicole Haddo joins us today from country Victoria to discuss all things couples and money. We talk navigating tricky money talks to splitting household costs and whether women should still have the old F-off fund. Nicole, Happy New Year and congratulations on your new book. Thank you, Felicity, and thank you for having me. Now, before we kick off and talk about all things money, share with us one extra healthy-ish goal or tweak or something that you want to achieve this year. There's a few things I want to achieve this this year. I, I took up swimming at the end of uh, 2023 just at our, our local pool and I'm finding that to be actually, I did it for fitness, but it's actually really wonderful for my mental health. Um, so uh, a little bit more swimming or at least keeping it up will be fantastic. The other thing that I'd say is not feeling guilty about resting. Uh, I've got a very bad habit of always thinking there's something else to do. And part of my 2024 goal is to just be absolutely okay with taking time to rest when I need it. Oh, amen to that one. Don't we all need to get on board that one? How are you going to do this? How's it going to roll out in your life? <laughs> How are you going to stop doing shit? Uh- it it, it, pro- it probably helps to have a very relaxed husband who is is uh, is all about me sitting down and relaxing and not not angsting about the next thing that we need to do. So that helps. What do you do to relax? How do you switch off? Oh, oh there's so many things. I walk a lot. Um, I walk and listen to podcasts. I, which is still probably doing something. I guess. Mm, <laughs> no, no um, I don't think a, so. A, a, <laughs> yeah. A lot of a lot of a lot of swimming, watching watching TV, and not feeling bad about it. Reading, lots of reading. Mm, it's losing that guilt, isn't it? Because when I mean, look, I'm the same as I'm sure many listeners can relate to. Sitting down, turning on a rom com or something mindless on on TV, and I'm like there for ten minutes. Okay, I've got to go and do this. I've got to do this. It's just it's that self talk. Just sit down. You don't need to do that. Just enjoy mm. it. It, it it pulls you out of, of the moment, which is sometimes fleeting in itself. So trying to make the most of it when you've got it, I think, is the key. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let's talk about this fabulous book of yours. We're talking about how to, well, talk about money without killing the spark. Why are money talks often so tricky? I think money talks are tricky because no one ever sits you down and teaches you how to have discussions, particularly with a partner um, or anyone about money. So they're going to be difficult just by virtue of not, not being, you know, not, not doing it on a regular basis. But I think the other challenge is that, that, Money talks bring up a lot of emotions for people. Um, you know, they, it, it brings up fear for the future. It brings up shame if, if you feel that you could have been doing better. Um, so there's a lot of vulnerability, um, required when you, when you're having these conversations. Um, so, you know, if you're sitting down to talk to a partner about a money issue, you need to be mindful not only that it's potentially going to be difficult and, and, and raise a lot of emotions, but there needs to be a lot of calmness, empathy, care. Uh, in, in those conversations. 
Yeah, because they're interesting, aren't they? Well, money talks are interesting, especially when you first meet someone because you're attracted to this person. There's so much you you like about them. You know, oh, I've got so much in common. We can talk for hours and we do this hobby together and we do that and whatever it may be. But then when you talk about money, you're like, hang on, we're on completely different pages here. Give us some tips on how we can approach this conversation if you are in a newish relationship. I think there's a couple of things that you need to do. The first is probably just understanding your partner's background and any of the things that may sort of have contributed to to their um, their approach to money. Um, so, you know, they may have grown up in a family of spenders. They may have grown up with a single parent and, and, and had, you know, quite tight financial um, circumstances. So it, it depends on who they are as a person, what they've experienced and what they're bringing to the here and now. Uh, but in terms of initiating the conversations, there's a few things you can do. Uh, the first and probably the most important is to give your partner a heads up. Um, so you, you don't you don't want them to come home from work and and pull out a budget and say we need to talk about this right now. <laughs> um, you need time to prepare to have that conversation. Um, I think the other important thing to do is is to approach these conversations with an objective. So whether that is to set a particular financial goal, whether it's to save for a holiday or a house or or, or some other particular target, you don't want to just be talking about money generally. You want to go in and, and come away with an outcome. Um, the other thing to do in advance, I think that's really important that a lot of people probably don't do is know that there may be some conflict and be prepared for that. Um, so, you know, if, if you feel that the conversation is starting to get a little bit heated because you're coming at it from two different perspectives, knowing that it's okay to say, I'm going to, I'm going to go for a walk for half an hour. Let's come back to this. So it doesn't mean getting up and storming out and, and ending the conversation indefinitely, but knowing that conflict may, may occur. And I guess getting comfortable with that discomfort. Um, I think being open and optimistic is also really important mm. and, and and respecting your partner's point of view. Um, you can respect your partner's point of view without necessarily agreeing with it. Um, but ultimately, as I say, you want to set a goal. You want, you want to come away from that conversation with a shared goal that you're equally motivated by. Yeah, and I mean, they're all really great points. And I suppose I'll add in there just from my own personal experience is over my relationships before I got married, obviously, it's just knowing where you stand and your habits and becoming clear on on those. Because I think a lot of the time we can easily, you know, think, but you do this, you do this, but what about you? And I think when when I became clearer on my money style, my money spending and what I value, it really helped facilitate those conversations with, you know, my now husband. Absolutely. I think, I think, having self-awareness is, is really important and, and knowing that no one's perfect um, with their with their money management style and, and that both people in the relationship can bring positive qualities and, and working out how to apply those, those qualities to, to get the best outcome. We'll be back after this short break with more from Nicole. I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts. Should we discuss what happens if it doesn't work out? Like at what stage should we chat about this with a, with a partner? You know, if you're in a newish relationship or 
before you get married or how did you approach this with Sam? Uh, look, it's 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 pretty um, interesting. You obviously don't necessarily want to talk about the potential for splitting up on your third date, but uh, I think being realistic, um, reasonably early in the relationship, is is pretty important. Uh, it's going to depend on, I guess, where you are in your own personal financial life. Um, in in my situation, um, when I met um, my now husband Sam, I I had purchased a home. Um, and he moved into that property. So we had to have that conversation pretty early, mm. um, just because he was moving in, into an asset that I, that I'd purchased. Um, but broadly, I think regardless of, of what assets or, you know, whether you bring children to the relationship or whatever it is, you, you do need to be honest with each other about what life might look like if the relationship didn't work out. Um, and a lot of the experts that I spoke to really encouraged it purely because you're better having these conversations when you're happy. <laughs> than yeah. you are when you're unhappy. Um, you know, the, the, the emotion and, and the stress can take hold if, if you're having these conversations for the first time when you're splitting up. So if you've got, you know, whether it's a, a legal financial binding agreement or whether it's just a, a, a broad agreement on what would look like, what that would look like, um, you, you're probably going to be to be better off. But, mm. you know, it's, it's just really important not to bear, bury your head in the sand and, um, you know, of course, all people want their relationship to be happy and healthy uh, for for as long as possible. But you know, life life happens, and it's it's good to be honest about these things. Actually, um, that's a that's a great... reasonably early, not on the first date. No, no, yeah. And by the way, um, <laughs> I think that's a really a really valid point. You know, just the communication. I mean, and just have these conversations early, whether you're whether you're new to a relationship or you've been in one for a while, rather than let things simmer. I mean, how how can we communicate better if it's not, you know, you said in Healthy-ish that communication is is one of your strong points in your relationship with Sam. What about if money is a constant trigger for arguments? They're spending more than they should be. They're not living within the budget. What's your advice around this? I think I think if it's a constant trigger, um, the, the, the conversation probably isn't necessarily a about the, the money behavior as much as it is about the values um, because there's probably a values conflict. If you're if you're arguing on a regular basis, um, I would guess that you have uh, values that aren't in alignment and your spending uh, is, is being impacted as a result of that. So it's actually going back to the drawing board and say, saying, hey, what do we, what do we each value as individuals? Um, what do we value as a team? Um, are we aligned in terms of our long-term goals? Um, the, the money is actually secondary to those conversations. Mm. The, the first, the first and probably most important conversation to have is: Are we on the same page here? <laughs> are we going in the same direction? Uh, and what does it look like if we're not? Yeah, and it could be a, a broader topic, not just money. Then, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> now, what's your take on women having a uh, part of my French fuck off fund? I mean, this is something that's been around for a while. Uh, actually, a friend of mine was talking about the other day, which is why I thought, oh, I'm going to ask her about this. Is this financial infidelity or or should we all have one? I don't think having a fuck-off fund is financial infidelity at all. Um, uh, you don't necessarily need to put that particular label on it. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, that's a bit, uh, a bit abrupt. No, <laughs> um, no, 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 no. no. I, yeah. I mean, I don't mean you personally. No, I no, just I mean... <laughs> I, I I personally have my own money that 
my husband Sam can't touch, mm. um, and he has his money that that I that I don't touch, and we've we've set up a cash flow that allows for us to have our own our own personal spending. Is it to leave the relationship? No, but if it was needed to leave a relationship, could it be? Yes. Um, I think what's important is that you maintain some financial autonomy um, in a relationship, um, and that's not just about leaving. That's just about your own identity. Um, if you get too entirely financially enmeshed, um, that can actually be problematic in a, in a relationship. So having your own money is really good for you. Um, and we also know that that financial abuse, unfortunately, is a huge problem um, in Australia. So having having emergency funds, should you require them, uh, is really important. That said, there are other things that you can do as well. Um, and one of the most important things that one of the financial advisors that I spoke to for the book told me was that it's just as important to be engaged in your financial finances as a team. Mm. Um, so it's not this person manages the money and I don't deal with it. It's that you both know where the money is and where it's going and you're working together um, because it's when you don't know that that's where problems potentially arise. Yeah. And I think knowing that also gives you a sense of feeling empowered, particularly as a woman, you know, if, if they manage the money or vice versa for that matter. What about if you're in a relationship with someone and they earn more than you? How do you navigate that? Absolutely. I think, you know, it's it's likely that in any dual income relationship, one person is going to earn more than the other. It's highly unlikely that you're both going to bring in the exact same amount of money. Uh, again, this will probably depend on where you are in your relationship. If you've just moved in together um, and, you know, you're, you're still sort of dating, but you, you're not yet married, um, you may well split your costs as a percentage of your income. It really will depend on each individual couple. Um, but I think as you get more established, and I know um, in our case, we don't focus on who earns what. We focus on are we bringing as much as we both can? Are we working as hard as we possibly can? How are we best pooling our resources um, to work towards our long-term goals? Because I, I think getting fixated on income um it kind of gets in the way of, of the main event, which mm. is what can we achieve as a team? Yep, yep. And, you know, you can factor in all those unpaid work hours, which I'm sure <laughs> you'll probably, you know, if you're the one at home doing that, that'll be more than the person who's actually being paid. I think I think that's exactly it, um, and it's it's something that I that I did address. It doesn't matter whether you know whether you're a, a teacher or a doctor or a um, or you're staying at home with the kids um, or you volunteer. It doesn't matter what you do. You're probably working really hard, and applying a monetary value to that role um, can can be challenging. Mm. Um, so you really just want to make sure that you're working effectively as a team. How do you go about setting money goals with Sam? I mean, are you a at the beginning of every every year, let's re review it, or either financial year, or or how do you approach it? Uh, well, we we've probably only been doing this um, for about eighteen months now, and it, it it definitely changes depending on the circumstances. So when when we first started doing these things, we we were setting we set a six month goal. Um, we set a six month goal to have a certain number of. Uh, aspects of our house renovation done. Um, 
And what we will do moving forward is review as our circumstances change. Um, so, you know, things things don't remain the same consistently. One of us might be earning um, more or less. One of us might need to step out of the workforce temporarily. The cost of living rises and decreases. So we're making our decisions based on what's happening in our life, not applying um, specific, specific sort of timeframes mm. um, to have these discussions. But the important thing is we discuss it regularly yeah. um poor sam we probably discuss it more than he would like i'm always talking about it <laughs> i bet you are so i mean you wrote smashed avocado in 2019 has your approach to money cha- and you know now this new book has your approach to money changed with each book or have you always you know what have you learned how has your money goals and 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 approach to money well moved on or tweaked or has it stayed the same certainly changed um, depending on, on, you know, what I've been writing and researching at the time, but it's changed more importantly based on where I am in my life. So when I wrote Smashed Avocado, um, I was I was single. All I wanted was to own a home. Um, and, you know, it was, it was about working towards that goal um, and doing whatever I needed to achieve that goal. Um, now, inevitably, um, my my interest in in money is, of course, about how couples manage it together. Now that um, now that I'm in a long term relationship, um, but I think my approach has changed in the respect that I, I'm I'm more holistic in my approach. So I now understand that um, having money isn't just about having money in the bank. It's about how I get to live my life. Uh, so my my aspiration is not to get rich. Um, my aspiration is to to live a happy life that's that's aligned with my values. And if I'm fortunate enough to do that, then that's great. Yeah, amen to that. Nicole, thank you for joining us on Extra Healthy-ish. Thanks for having me, Felicity. Well, I hope this inspires you to have those often tricky conversations about money without cleaning the spark, of course. Keeping the spark alive. That's what we like. Such a cliche, isn't it? But a good one. If you do need some more guidance, Nicole's book, Couple Goals, is out now. If you did like this chat, make sure you rate and review it or you can subscribe to Extra Healthy-ish or Healthy-ish. Anything else, head to bodyandsoul.com.au. Follow us on socials, grab our print edition, which is out in your local Sunday paper. And until tomorrow, enjoy the summer sun and stay extra healthy-ish. Are you ready to get an inside look at crime from someone who has investigated some of Australia's worst crimes? It was like Aladdin's cave. The luminol found bloodied footprints and bloodied handprints on a wall. So it's just like a horror movie. Former homicide detective Gary Jubilant sits down with cops, crims, addicts, victims, small-time cheats and big-town lawyers as they tell their incredible stories. My house got raided. Next thing you know, I got bail refused. Next thing you know, I'm on a truck to Parkley Prison. Listen to I Catch Killers early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts today or wherever you get your podcasts.